0: Hi, today is Wednesday. Let's see if we can do the Aftara. Um As a very interesting offtura, of course, with Racha Bazona, today's uh, podcast. It's uh, the second of two. Mentioned yesterday being sponsored by the Goldbergs, Lou Goldberg. <clears throat> today is being sponsored in memory of the upcoming Yarta of his mom, Mary Goldberg, Miriam Sarbasara. Ah, she's from Atlantic City. <laughs> I remember the Atlantic City of old. You'll be surprised. For those who don't know, Atlantic City was once a Jewish town. Uh, I mean, a ton of Jews and synagogues and kosher and this and that and the other. It's funny. I'm sure it's not like that today, but it was once upon a time. When people grew up in Atlantic City, well, anyway, anyway very nice. And she, she had a true belief. She faced many physical problems, but faced them with optimism and knowing God loved her. Insightful woman. Very optimistic and cared for many people. That's nice. The New York City is coming up soon the 7th of Thomas. As we say, we pay tribute to the memory. man I and aliyah. I remember Atlantic City very well. The jitneys, everything. I, it's gone. Well, I'm talking about it's gone. The Atlantic City today is a different disease. I just want to, uh, before I move on, I just want to give a shout out to uh, a student of mine, former student, uh, Yehuda Tan, who's now in Israel. And he just wrote to me yesterday. Uh, he was going to, it didn't work out, but he's going to do it. I think his grandmother's, uh, uh, birthday is coming up, maybe today Or something like that uh, In which case, happy birthday He's in KBY, they were under the rocket attack So, anybody's under rocket attack You know, in Iron Dome And they're telling me, I'm listening to your podcast I have to give him a shout out <laughs> right? It's a shame That's the reality in Israel, but we all know it Now let's move on uh, Now, that's Yehuda Tannen Now, um, I want to move on We're looking at the famous story of Rachavazona who ends up marrying Joshua, according to the Jewish tradition. And if you look in the Gemara, you know, they have, she is the ancestor, the grandmother of uh, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and uh, even Chulta, according to some. It's Gemara in, um McGill, I think. Uh, you'll probably remember it over there. Now, we have a nutball story over here. And I spoke about excuse me, last year. It's always funny to me. And the reason I say it's funny is, depending on how you look at this, if you're very frum, far-frumped, then you're going to think, you know the old story, how do you know Avram Avina wore a yarmulke? What do you mean? Can you imagine Avram walking around with a yarmulke? What do you think of the shagas? You know, that kind of approach. Many years ago, I was once in Williamsburg, New York, with my brother-in-law, uh, driving through, and I mean a long time ago, and I remember we stopped in a bookstore. That's what I do. You know, some Sotmer-type bookstore, and they had at that time... Uh, by the way, they were playing Green Acres in, in, as a Yiddish song. They ripped off the music. Green Acres is the place to be. <clears throat> I couldn't believe it in Sotmer. But anyway, uh, they had a, a coloring book or something like that, a kitty book, in which it was said that, um, that the story in Yiddish a porn must have been porn time. You know, Geschichte von Esther Malka. And they told in brief, as I recalled, many years ago. Uh, the story of Queen Esther, but she's dressed like a Sotmer lady, the whole nine yards. And, of course, Mordecai Yehudah is exactly dressed with a strimal and all the rest of it. Now, I understand why, as long as you're telling me you're doing the first stick, but I'm sure they educated him there that, you know, Mordecai Taka went around with a strimal. So, if you think in those terms, then we have a very funny story here, because, as we all know, Joshua sends two spies, this is the same joshua that was burned in, in parashat shlach that's the reason it's nav torah he didn't make the same mistake he didn't send from each tribe he handpicked two guys as we all know right? and um... what do you call it uh, it's a Kalev and uh... pinchas that's according to tradition and uh, because i think it doesn't say the name it just says two spies and um... as we know they did not mess up uh, And they hide by Rochabazona and so on and so forth. And they're successful. So he doesn't do what Moshe did, which is send somebody from each tribe and ask for a a full itinerary. You know, he doesn't, he he just sends them cherish, I remember, you know, silently. Just spy out what you need to know. And anyway, these two guys are reliable. Kali already proved his reliability in round one when he was in Pasha Shalach. 40 years earlier, and Pinchas, you know, obviously had creds because he just killed Zimri Ben-Solo, at the risk of his own life. Remember, Pinchas is not simply Stomp some Kanoi. Anybody can go and shoot somebody whatever. He he fully expected he's going to die in the process. There was something a Farshim would say. You can only do Kanoi and po- po- if you're like that, you know. Uh, so Pinchas is a heroic. And therefore, these are the two people who sense as a spy. Fine. Um, if they look like the Satmar match them, that may look like the Wilkhanah Wasserman or something like that. But, and a Rambam. With payas and beers and all the rest of it. So what they do? They came into to, to a pagan city. And they went to a whorehouse. Went, and they're, what, they're two people that look like uh, great rabbis. But what, they're wearing a baseball hat? You know, of course they were immediately discovered. But in reality, obviously, they didn't look like that. They looked like people did at that time. And uh, I'm, I'm raising the interesting question... How did the Israelites dress? What did they look like? How did they groom themselves 3,000 years ago? 3,300 years ago, right? Or are you telling me that nothing changed, okay? Now, this is a very interesting question. And uh, if you ever take the trouble to study archaeology, to some degree, I'm not an archaeologist. Historians and archaeologists are two different birds. Uh, people think they're the same, but they're quite different. Nevertheless, I know a little bit, and I've seen some of the famous pictures if they're reliable of old i mean classic stuff that they discovered in the archaeology depicting jews thousands of years ago there comes to mind as i'm speaking to you now two famous pictures you can see this on online you know it's all very famous stuff discovered in the 19th century one would be uh two things that come to mind one would be the famous uh picture of pharaoh uh shishak which is described in the book of Kings and Chronicles, in Molochim, Aleph, and in Derion Beis, immediately after the death of Shlomo, five years after Shlomo, for various reasons, the Jews are sinning. So there was an Egyptian invasion of Judah, and they seem to have have captured Jerusalem and sacked the temple and stuff like that. So it was some kind of disastrous Egyptian invasion. They didn't stay, but they did a lot of devastation. And when they came back to Egypt, they built a giant um, monument to the victory, and there's a picture of it on the wall, and uh, it's there today, uh, in Tala amarna I think. I never went to Egypt, but I'm not interested in going, but, you know, that's a famous tourist site. It's a Jagundo palace, whatever's left of it. And you can see the god handing the pharaoh a bunch of Jewish prisoners, and that probably is the oldest physical description of Jews. And as I recall, they had like a curly black hair, it looks like that, something like that. It's just interesting. Now, there's no way to know if it's accurate, but the only thing it could be. Similarly, um, they, and, and you know, they don't have yarmulkes, let's put it that way. Now, you can't prove anything, but you know what I mean. Now, um, and also comes to mind the famous picture from Asher from the Assyrian Empire, which King Yehu, there's a real guy, Yehu, is shown bringing presents to the king of Assyria, kissing up to him because he needed the help of Asher against uh, Aram. And that's in the book of Molochim base. And uh, the internet, I'm telling you, is not really Molochim base. It's supplementary to it. And you see uh, nobles, uh, Jewish nobles, presenting uh, gifts to the king of Assyria. And ahead of them is Yehu, who's bowing down on his knees to the king of Assyria. And so here you have a picture. Again, there's no way to know if it's, if it's accurate. That was made, this picture was carved into the wall. Ooh, close to 3,000 years ago, you know what I mean? Uh, I guess in the 800s BC, sometimes, something like that. That's a long time ago. Now, they're not wearing strimals, let's put it this way. They are wearing funny hats, but that's a a different story. That could be, I think that was um, fashionable at that time. They look like the sleeping caps, you know. Uh, Anyhow, whatever, and you can Google this. Just go Yahoo or Google... uh, Shishak, and look for images, you'll see it, okay? Now, um, so the Jews in the time of Joshua also, I mean, they dressed how they dressed. Obviously, Yoshua and, I mean, um, uh, Kalev and uh, uh, Pinchas must have tried to blend in, okay? So they didn't come in, you know, with their titses out, just wearing a baseball hat, you know? Uh, and it's funny that they went to a brothel to a war right Um, I know some say Rochel Azzon is a Punduk, you know, it's a uh, restaurant. If you know the mores of the ancient world, uh, I know Hach. That's what these things were, especially in those years, Now, um, in in those centuries. Now, um, uh, she was a zon. She was a prostitute. And yet, she turned around, and she helps the spies, and eventually marries Joshua, according to the Jewish tradition. doesn't say those words in the Tanakh, but the Gemara works it out that way. It's very famous. And um, uh, let, let's put it this way: She cuts a deal with them, as you all, as very famous, and the Jews honor the deal. Now, there's a whole halachic discussion that I don't think I want to get into. Should I? Nah. If you're that inclined, which is, how could he marry somebody who's a Canaanite? Or are you allowed to marry Canaanites? Does the Yisraelosis cotton bum? You go like the Rambam who just says it's marrying someone who's unconverted, so she converted is not a problem, because the assumption, obviously, is that she's a Geretzedic. If it's true that they not only saved her life, but she went on to marry Joshua and become the ancestor of uh, Yirmiyahu and Yechezkel and Chulon and so forth, obviously, she's some kind of a Ger. Um, I'm not sure if you classify it as a Geretzedic, but let's say you do, uh, meaning she didn't convert to marry Yoshua. On the other hand, You could say she converted under the circumstances. It's a a nice discussion we could have over there. And in the course of that, the Gemara is trying to figure... But what if you go, not like the Rambam, and you say, this is Behem applies to anybody who's a Canaanite, even after they convert. Then you have a whole issue. That's a a certain way of approaching. That's the Jewish halachti. Believe you me. One second here, one second. Here it is. I just pulled out my Gemara. Oh, Megillah, page 14. And you talk about the fact... It's only through a dialectical interpretation that they come out that Joshua married uh, uh what's her name? Um Rochob, but let it be. <laughs> so Tosus, you know, in the Tosua style says, Heich how could Joshua marry her? Uh I'm Aurel says in I feel big less They're such a that you can't marry them if they're Maguire. In other words, the same way uh uh I want to be very clear about this the Rambam doesn't hold what I'm about to say but Rashi and Toshis do uh, suppose you had somebody from the seven nations Kanani Amori Prizi Vusi and so forth <laughs> now let's say that this person for whatever reason decided they want to become Jewish let's say for re- for good reasons a Geert Siddick it could happen it could happen and um, they say you know I see the light uh, okay you can accept them as Jewish so here's somebody who was in a Mori, a Chivi, a Yavusi, and so forth. And he or she, now honestly of their own, uh, came to um, uh, to Judaism. And uh, they're accepted as Jews. at a gerim of a certain type. Uh, they could be very pious. It could be big Talmud Chachaman, or something like that, big tzaddikim. Uh You can't marry them, right? You can't marry them, according to Rashi and Tosas. You can't marry them because Los is Chatenbobb. You get it? As an Israel, on, on, on marrying them, it, it doesn't reflect necessarily who they are. Just want be clear about this. Same way with Moavi and and all these sorts of things. Listen, a Mamzer today, you can have a person, I'm sure it's happened, I mean, I know it's happened in history. You get a Mamzer Tamachacham, as the Gemara puts it itself. Mamzer Tamachacham comes before a coin god of So you have Mamzer Tamachacham, it's an interesting situation. This guy, or this girl, who is a momseris, is a very fine person and he could be very from and so on and so forth and he could be very learned and that sort of thing so there's no time on him as a person unfortunately because he has this legal status you can't marry him you can only marry another mom's or a gear you see what I'm saying these are are legal restrictions so they're asking um, tosa says this on page 14 in in, in Megillah, uh how could he marry Rojo I feel a big lesson to but Sar Lomar Amin <laughs> Amin. So tosus, Now, true, it's a it's a it's a dialectical reconciliation. They have a Kasha, they're coming with the terrace. But it's very imaginative. Uh think about this. Um according to this, she's Rahab, she's a zona, because they understand it to have been a prostitute. <laughs> she's running a, a a a a business, and she's not from Eureka. She's some foreigner. It's like Casablanca, you know, Humphrey Bogart. it's it's, it's uh, a <laughs> She's running her own gin joint. And she's very good at it. at her business. And therefore, people come from all over the place. And therefore, what do you call it? Uh, you know, uh, the two spies go there. So that actually, in a weird way, even though the thing that caused it was Akash and the terrorists, it's kind of interesting. I'll tell you what I mean. She's in Look, we'll never know who Rochelle Zona was. But we can, we can only go with what we have. It's very interesting. She was re- ready to betray her own city to save her life. I mean, I don't. I totally hear it, uh, but it would make more sense if she was a foreigner, don't you agree? If she's really not from the city, and she's running her business in the city, and maybe they like her, maybe they don't like her, um and now she sees impending doom, because as she tells the spies, we knew tr- tr- trouble's coming ever since we heard about the splitting of the Red Sea years ago. <coughs> so when she sees this. Um she says, I'm saving myself. Okay? I'm not local. I'm not from Yoriko. I'm not even a Canaanite, according to the Toses. So let's say she came from Syria. Let's say she came from, I don't know where, you know, some foreign place from above. All. Who knows? Uh She happened to do business here. She said a business here. Uh, not everybody lives their whole life in a city. Quite the opposite, in the same city. And so she's a foreigner. And when she sees what's happening, the two spies tell her, and perhaps she sees um shalem she maybe she sees because what type of business she runs she does not deal with a high class clientele i should take that back she doesn't deal with a very moral clientele the type of business she runs you get to see i don't want to say the dregs of humanity because that's not true she probably had a high class clientele as we'll see in a second but according to malbum but um but she sees the worst of human nature. Let me put it this way. She sees the full depravity of the inhabitants of Jericho. Uh, in fact, nobody's calculated to see it as much as somebody like her who runs a that kind of establishment, and I'm not going to go into detail. So um, she knows this situation. She's in a Sodom and a Mara type case, and this ain't going to last long, and pretty soon destruction is coming. And so she cuts a deal to save herself. She's not even from there. And that's the that, that's the scenario Tosis is suggesting. Tosis also suggests another scenario, suggests Yeshima Forshim, Sharotsu Lumash Lohuzaro Lotus Kantalakzars. Someone of that the prohibition on Losis Chantnum didn't apply yet, but Tosis rejects that. I think the first one that I just said is, is very imaginative. And by that I mean it provokes a lot of imagination. All right? Here you're, you're writing your your your, your novel, whatever Rachab she's not from there but she uh set up business over there and uh, she knows how bad the people are over there and uh and she's she's totally prepared to cut a deal okay um i she's willing and she she and she, it doesn't she's willing to convert is what i'm trying to say she's willing to convert and does so because you don't have to learn that she converted you can simply say she cut a deal and saved her life and they honored it that's all uh, such a story happened elsewhere. I remember in Choftin, there was such a thing. They told a, a kid, "Let us you know, show us the way into the city, and you will live." And they and they honored it. So you know such things happen. That's called the, the rules of war, and the you know, tactics of war. And uh, you know you could have individual canonum here or there. They survived by cooperating with the Jews. I don't know. So they're very suggestive. Now the Chazal. Uh, T- take this seriously, uh, at least in Agarita, and they uh, draw a picture of a Rachav who Mamash had a conversion with a Ger-t-Sedek. Uh This is just very interesting. Uh, a mature lady is 50 years old. I'm talking about the famous Gemara Uh I'm sure the Tafiyomi wasn't that long ago. In uh, 116 Kotezaim. When she tells the spies as she does over here, the, the gemara goes pretty graphic in him. She tells the spy when we heard that the you know the dried up the the yamsu. Oh boy, right? She says, and um, they interpret that to mean that the Canaanites were so terrified by the news of the Kriya Syamsim and these other sorts of things, that they were rendered impotent. She knows, right? Well, what do you mean? How does she know? And the Gemara asked this question, not me. It's not salacious on my part. The Gemara, Kovtah Zayim in, in and in Zubachim says, How did she know everybody was impotent? There was no high official prince that she wasn't involved with. So, so look at this. This is the basis of a Malbem. So, the two spies go to a place of a lady who's running one of these establishments It's what we would call an influential high uh, clientele. I don't mean high class in the sense that they are, you know, um, um, you know, nice people. I mean that they're VIPs in that society. And uh, the Gemara goes on to say about the uh, Rachov, that uh, this she's talking about the fact. Remember now, she's telling the two spies in the time of Joshua that we freaked out when we heard about the creation of the the creation of happened forty years before. Agreed. This is after Moshe died and Gershom took over. But now they're about to enter Israel. So she's talking about something I'm like 40 years before. So she wasn't a, a, a young girl. Amru Bas Eser Shonim um, HaIso Kishayot Yisro Mitzrayim The Racha was actually 10 years old at the time of the season around the Kriya Siyam Su. V'zonso Arboim Shonam Shal Yisro B'midbar And she was operating her Znus establishment for 40 years as the Jewish people were going to the desert. Which means that at the time she encountered the spies, she's 50 years old. And then remarkably, at the age of 50, she was Knows And according to the Gemara here, it wasn't just a tactic to save her life. That would make sense too, right? Um, but she had a genuine, what's the right word? A spiritual uh, uh, transformation. That's very remarkable. Amra, she said, Yehei mocholi, chalon upishim. That's extraordinary. I hope my Averis, I've lived a life of sin. I want to change. And I hope there will be moch that I will be forgiven because I helped the spies. Chalon Upishim for the rope, the window, and the flax. Now obviously she let the spies out. As we all know the story. I mean, you don't need me to tell you the story. I know you the story. She lived in the wall. So she let the spies out by the from her window by a rope. And she hid them from the police by covering them with piston. With the flax. Remember? So, you know that. So, she's saying over here, I hope this will... My cooperation with the spies will, um, will earn me forgiveness from God. And it did. And it did. Now, um... Rashi, that's a Mechelta, by the way. It's a Mechelta. It says pre gamar Now, and, uh, you can look it up. Rashi, I don't know why, says something very interesting over here. He doesn't simply say what I just told you. That, you know, she says, listen, I helped them in the Hevel and the Chalon and the Pishon. Because the question becomes, why mention these three items? Right? Why mention these three items? And Rashi says something very interesting. Again, this is Zavachim. Kofta Zayim. Bemicholta Tani Hachi. Now, this is Rashi talk. This is not in Micholta, because I looked up to Micholta once. Omrot. Rabbanishon. This is Rokhavazona having her own spiritual moment. We all know Bas Pyro had her own spiritual moment. You know, nobody else pushed her into it. And here's Rachavazona Of all people, so they're telling you, you can't, in Judaism, you don't know who you attract. And you don't make fun of anybody. And people could be the lowest of the low and turn around. Rabbanu Shalom, she said. Amr Shalom. In my career, I sinned with three things. And therefore, I hope that this, with, with the three things I helped despise, I'll get mechilo. What does that mean? What does that mean? She ran an establishment This is just uh highly imaginative. She ran an establishment in which a lot of people frequented. A lot of people didn't want people to know that they're there. Uh maybe they're married. I don't know what was going on in Eureka long ago, you know. Maybe they want the public to, to to see it. It's not good for a PDR. And so her lovers used to come in and out from through the window, through the rope. In other words, when she tells the spies I'm in the window and I have a robe. She was practiced in this. You get it? It wasn't anything strange for her. She said, oh, you want to get out without anybody knowing you out, out, out of my house? Easiest thing in the world. I do it every day for my VIP customers. You know, this prince doesn't want that prince to know that we both go to the same zona. Things like that. Shehoyim menafim olin to the, the adulterers. Olin Bachavol and derech uh, hachalom v'yodim. They would climb into, surreptitiously climb into out their house through the window. To the gum tomorrow pish the to aids. And again, the VIPs, in order to avoid PR, uh if the what should I say, if people walked in from the internet, you know what I mean? the uh, journalist would walk in, she would hide them under the piston. So she always had in her house, in her establishment, a big amount of flax, not because she's planning to spin the flax, but as part of her business to hide customers. You know, people say, Where is he? He's not here. There's nobody here. So this is what she used every day in her business. And now that she met the two Jewish spies, she was able to use this Latov, litoelis, as it were. And it was through these three items, the Chevel, the rope, the Chalon, uh, the and the Pishnam, and the flags, that is how she did the spy. So it's like, a, I don't know exactly what you call it. But it's a, it's a very interesting type of teshuva, in which you use your your um, negative qualities and now you use a tove Get it? It's like if somebody was a murderer. I'm making this up, but it's not unheard of. If somebody was a guy and a murderer, a big murderer like a mafia guy, and let's say just, here's a good movie, and all of a sudden, you know, it's World War II and he converts to Judaism and whatever, now and you go, well, I knew how to kill people I'll kill a bunch of Germans and get you guys out of here. You there's no, the thing he did bad, now he's using for good. That's actually, you know, sort of like the best teshuva. The the avera itself, when it, you know, there's every avera has a time and a moment when it's a good thing. It could be far fetched, but nevertheless it's a good thing. That's what the orchos is all about. You know, there is a time to be angry. There is a time to do this and time to do that. If you ask me a question, when is the time to commit do Oh no, maybe elycon type, you know, spies things like that. Somebody wrote me an email about that today. A former Mossad guy. Uh, I'm serious. I'm not kidding. You know, there, there, there is a time and a place for everything. Uh, the difference between a good person and a bad person is, the good person only uses the bad thing at a specific time, specific place, for Toelis, So here she found herself in a situation with the two spies. She instinctively used her, you know, craft, and, uh, she was able to, to, to save the spies and save the Jews. And, uh, She perceives what I just told you, which is that which I've used bad now I've used for good, and therefore I hope, as she said over here, So it turns out that she had quite a moment, right? Uh, In the middle of the whorehouse, in Yericho, in other words, it's a remarkable story. In the middle of who knows what, a den of sin, as we would say today, uh, it's possible to find the biggest transformations you get it and you can't say to some well you can't be from you can't do you don't know you don't know the stranger things have happened and let me put it this way she's sufficient suf- sufficiently sincere that she marries yohu binhan at the age of 50 uh, at the age of 50 um, and has children it's it's a movie right This sex movie now in Der shots the, there's a great Malbim here. And that is the following. At the end of the day, two from Jews, especially great tzaddikim, you know, you're going to a whorehouse? What, what, what's that? Right? What's that? And the Malbim said, I guess, because she had a VIP whorehouse. A VIP whorehouse. And you see the type of people she let in and out surreptitiously. So basically... It's actually the best place to spy. It reminds you somewhat of the famous story of Eliezer at the well. Because the Chazal say, why did Eliezer go to the well? To pick up the lushan Hara. He was going for Shidduchim purposes to find out a girl for um, for Yitzchak, as we know the story. And I remember the matter says, he sat down, you know, like as if he were snoozing, moseying around at the well. When all the ladies and the girls go to draw water. That was a hocking situation. Major Lush and Hara, you know how that is. And there is a time and a place for everything, as I just said before. Ordinarily, Eliezer, Evan Avram, doesn't give a hoot about the Lush and Hara of who's doing what in Aram the Rhyme. Who cares about that? But at this particular time, in this particular situation, especially if he had Kvitsa Zaderech, when he was going to mission for Avram, in this particular situation, uh, you have to know the Lush and Hara. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you have a kid in Shaduchim, that's the time you have to find out the Lashon Har. If somebody suggests a guy for your daughter or, or a, a girl for your son, something like this, if you're a, uh, what, what shall I say, a diligent parent, you'll put out the fields on one of the, what they call in America, the red flags, right? That's the Lashon Har. But of course, it's the to meaning there's a time and place for everything. There's a time and place for everything, okay? So, um, that's why Pink i um, sorry, that's why Eliezer to find out, you know, Who's who? Because that way, if somebody says, Oh, I know this real girl uh, for your son, and so and so and such and such, and meanwhile he was sleeping, pretending to sleep at the well, and he heard that this girl's carrying on with 10 guys at the same time, you know, she's some floozy or whatever, then he's going to say, No, thank you. No, thank you. So, in long similar lines, the Malbin, must have thought to it, it says, The Malbin also says, Why'd they go to a whorehouse? So he sees this as, as a double tactic, a clever tactic times two. But I want to focus on the second one. And that is, uh, it says, they went to Isha Zona, Ushma Rachov. Shema Rachov is understood to mean that she was famous. She was famous as a Zona bishma Arts. So she wasn't some stamazoid. She ran a high class operation uh, according to that time. So as we would say in English, to use nice language, she was a famous courtesan. That is to say, she dealt with VIPs. She was a famous courtesan. Now, um, so they didn't simply go to some flop situation, wherever. They went to a, what we call today, high class establishment. Why would they do that? Of Niglulos Cisre Gadoli Horiz Sam. City like Eliezer. By hiding in that place, here, they walk into, you know, Rick's short, like in the Casablanca, and you're just listening to the Germans and the French talking to each other, you pick up a lot of information. You get it? That was very smart on their part. That they did on purpose, the mob suggests. Niglulos Sisre Gadoli Horiz Sam. So between her clients, she had the president, the cabinet, the chiefs of staff, the gants of business, the police. You know, from just hanging around there, they could pick up all the information. And it goes on and says that the two spies went to Rachav, base Zona, They stayed there. Why didn't they wander around the city? Why didn't they check out the situation as the spies in Pasha Shlach were told to do? they travel 40 days checking out the whole country if, these, if he's sending two spies and they want to find them by Yerichel, why don't they case to join? walk around the city and take a stroll and see which parts of the city are better defended, which are worse what's the water supply what's the issue, they don't do any of that they want a base so they stuck in one place the answer is they were very intelligent, obviously they just said like this, you sit over here and you order another drink. Right? I'll take a scotch of water, you know. You order another drink, and uh, uh, what do you call? It? Meanwhile, here in walks one of her clients, you know, the chief of the general staff, and he's blabbing to her. Oh, we did this yesterday we're preparing a trap for the Jews. And a minute later, it comes the foreign ministries. Oh, we're allying against the Jews. They pick up all the info. You get it? And uh, they were able to see and confirm, obviously, what she said, which is. She said our our um our morale is busted. isn't that right that's what she said in the end that you know our hearts are are, are gone and um uh, right she says that we're we have no uh, uh hope we have, we're depressed we're scared of you as I said before everybody's terrified so it could be that when she says maybe that's her conversion, you know, to Judaism. Maybe that she's, I don't know, you know, maybe she's, what do you call it? Uh, uh, what should I tell you? You know, she's uh, confessing. That is to say she's declaring her belief in Hashem. Whatever the case is, you have quite a remarkable story. By the time this is over, as I said before, her statement is taken as a true genuine religious transformation so my goodness the lady you're sitting next to in shul had a life before she became jewish this is actually true you know we don't know who we're sitting next to especially you know somebody's about you whatever um i'm not talking about that's not it at all i'm simply saying i could have people and i do know some people and so do you that uh, they had a very different life before they came from. And Calvachomer, a very different life before they became Jewish. Correct? Now, sometimes you find somebody before they were Jewish, they were a very good person anyway. They simply were, I don't know, Christian or something like that. Very fine, decent persons. And circumstances worked out in such a way that they decided to convert to Judaism. That's good too, right? But sometimes, much more dramatically, you talk to the person... You're sitting next to Shul or in the Kocha restaurant or standing next to the hotel or wherever, and you say, you know, what were you before you became Jewish? And you say, whoa! <laughs> you know, the guy said, I used to be the head of the KGB. I don't know. All kind of stuff is possible. After all, don't they tell you that the general who burned Jerusalem, uh, Nero Caesar, uh, ran away and became Jewish? <laughs> so imagine, yes, you know what I'm talking about, the concept by Comso. Barcomso. So um, the, the Roman general Nero, if that's a true story, then here's my point. He runs away. And he settles somewhere else. Let's say, for example, he left Israel and he moved, I don't know, to Athens. And so here I am. I'm a Greek Jew. I'm walking to Shul, Shabbos morning. I sit next to a guy, and I say, you know, what do you do for a living? Well, now I'm am uh, I'm Jewish now, and you know, I uh, sell newspapers. What did you do in your former life? I was a general in the Roman army. I, just, I burned down that Jewish law. You know, <laughs> such things happen. Such things happen, and um, as we know, some of the Nazis, you know, you know these stories. Some, some a few of them, Hermann Göring, whatever. Their grandchildren, when they're becoming from Jews, so Rochav is is part of that group. I'll I'll add one more piece. Just what occurs to me, she's. We're told for some reason that she's the ancestress. She's the ancestor of uh, of Yirmiol and Yecheskel and Chulda just struck me, what are what are these three prophets Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Huldah, the Neviah, when they have been prophets? prophets? of doom. They all foretold the Chorban. You know about Yermio, and if you know Huldah also, when Josiah, Yoshio, sends her the the, the, the Sefer Torah they found, she gives a prophecy of doom, which happened. And Yecheskel has more than a share of prophecies of doom. So I haven't worked it out myself, and maybe you can discuss this intelligently at your Shabbos table. Why would Rechabazona be the ancestor of prophets of doom. She brought the Jews into Israel, but then the Jews behaved poorly in the subsequent centuries, and therefore they lost everything. You know, there's I haven't I don't have it 100 percent clear in my head, um, but I I set you on the scent of the trail, and uh, if you have any uh, you know particularly good mahalach, you can email me. But you don't have to. It's something obviously you something you can work out in your own shul anyway. But you have to admit. It's a highly unusual story and a highly unusual Haftarah if read closely and intelligently. With that, once again, I say to the Goldbergs, uh, thank you, and Luz mamshad Nisham Shahav uh, and an Aliya, as they say. And uh, with that, I bid you a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.